Hiya, I'm Al, the CEO and founder here at Dad's Net. Sorry to interrupt, but before you get into this podcast, I want to tell you about something for the next 60 seconds. You're about to embark on a very exciting journey. And if there's one thing I wish I'd had when I was a new dad, it's someone giving me little nuggets of genuinely helpful advice. So here's one for you. When my kid was born, I had no idea how much mess I'd actually have to clear up. Now, a utility belt containing wipes and antibacterial spray sounds ridiculous, but would actually genuinely be incredibly helpful. Over the years, I've used many cleaning products, but never found any as good as Milton, which is handy because they are sponsoring this podcast. There's antibacterial wipes, sprays, hand sanitizer, sterilizing tablets, bottle cleaner and sterilizer, and the one thing we never had, but would have been an absolute game changer, the portable soother sterilizer. My little one dropped his soother more times than I care to remember, and I wouldn't recommend trying to suck off the germs yourself. The portable soother remains sterile for 24 hours and cleans the soother in just 15 minutes with no odour and no taste. It's brilliant. You can check out the whole range of Milton products over on dadsnet.com forward slash Milton. Right, let's get back into the How To Be A Dad podcast. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Al Booth from How To Be A Dad, the podcast, and this is episode seven. Now, this episode is all about when things don't really go to plan after you've had your child. I know with our son Alfie, who is very soon, he's going to be five. Where's that time gone? That's just how it works. Okay. Um, Yeah, his heartbeat just went in labour. And I remember the nurses all coming in, the doctor coming in. And as a dad, just trying to look at my partner and just smile and go, it's fine. They're just coochie-cooing him while he's still in the womb. But, um, yeah, his heart pressure dropped and they had to cut his head while he was in the birth canal and try and get his blood pressure back up. Yeah, it's a bit scary. It's all a bit hairy and scary. But he's fine. However, things don't always go to plan. And James is going to talk to you now about when his son was born. Now, James appears in episodes one to six of How to Be a Dad, kind of focusing on one of the the more important aspects of going into labour, which is snacking. When she arrived, Olivia, I mean, I had a great, the birth and everything was a great day out. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> I took like a little mini buffet. <laughs> and while Charlotte was in labour, because I seen you feel a bit like a spare part, I literally sat there and laid out this buffet on the side. Um, and I saw the nurses and things coming in to do a checks. I were kind of like, pot pie? <laughs> <laughs> Help yourself, you know, there were doctors with masks on, like walking down sausage rolls. <laughs> so I had a great day out. That in itself makes me want to have a third child just for that day out. Uh, but as you're about to hear, James and Charlotte had a second child. They have Olivia, their eldest daughter, and George, their son. And after the birth of George, things didn't quite go as easily as any parent would have hoped for. So this is James and Charlotte in the background. And this is their story. How to be a dad podcast with Al Booth. With both my kids, you know, I, I mean, I love my wife in any case, of course I do. But I found a newfound respect for, for my wife. Seeing what she did and how she dealt with both of them was inspiring. It's like proper awesome. Um, so, yeah, the second one was a toughie. It was a toughie. Uh, and then he, yeah, so he, he eventually arrived. 
little boy, George, uh, the boy wonder. So he arrived. Um, we kind of sat and, and thought, could anything get more perfect? You know, we've always been very lucky in that, you know, I've got some amazing family. I've got some amazing friends. I've got an amazing wife. I had an amazing little girl. We've been very lucky in that, you know, we've been to some amazing places and travelled. And so I think when when George came along, we were very much sort of, oh, here we go. You know, 2.4, we've got the boy, we've got the girl. You know, could anything get any more, any more perfect? Um, and then obviously it all kind of um, changed rather quickly. Um, so within minutes, minutes of George being born, um, I said to Charlotte, I said, oh, look, I said, um, he's got a bit of a dicky eye, hasn't he? You know, typical Yorkshire, you know, that's my medical, got a bit of a dicky eye. Um, and I remember the midwife saying, um, don't worry, they're always a bit squished up when they come out. You know, it, it can take a while to pop out. <laughs> um, it'll be fine. Don't worry. You know, we'll give it 24 hours and see see how we go on. So I went home um, and I've got it all on, on video. I told Olivia, you know, you've got a brother. And we were just made up. We were absolutely made up. I, I, I've never, both of us were just so pleased, but so late as well, we're so tired. So the next day it was time I was going to take Olivia down to the hospital. I take Olivia down. She meets a brother. We pick him up, bring them home. Jobs are good at and we got down there and the, the people had been round. Do you know where they take the photos of the baby in hospital when the first first born? The, the bounty people. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. What's that about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, <laughs> they'd been round. And I forgot to tell you this, but when George was born, you know the knitting nanas who crochet things for babies? Yeah. 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 Well, bear in mind, George was born on the 29th of May. And when he was born, this midwife, don't get me wrong. Again, I sent me out of some amazing people. She put a Santa hat on him. <laughs> the only hat she could find. It was a red and white. It was a red and white knit hat. A red hat with a white trim. And I looked at her and I said, that's a Santa hat. She went, oh, no, it serves a purpose. It'll keep him warm. And I'm thinking, all the first photos of my son is dressed as Santa, <laughs> <laughs> which was a bit weird. Um, so by the time the bounty people had come round, Charlotte were like, look, that Santa hat needs to go, you know, we need to, we need to sort it out. So that she changed his hat and they came round and Charlotte was this photo and said, look, I'll be honest, I'm still not happy about his eyes. There's, there's something about one of his eyes. It seems to be a bit drooping, a bit closed. He had like, a, there was something just not right. And luckily, thank God, out we pushed. Thank God we pushed because um, this amazing doctor there said, look, just to put your mind at rest, Let's do an X-ray, um, and we sat and we waited and we waited and we were there hours. And other mums and dads were coming with their kids and going and going home, and we still sat there and waited. And we were making the most of it, you know. Once again, Harry Bo did play a part in it, um, and we we sat there and um, uh, and waited for hours. And we went upstairs for this X-ray. We had to put a little metal thing on and, and go through. And at ten hours old, this was so at ten hours old, we had this X-ray. And then you have to wait for the results and you sit and you wait and you wait and you wait and you try to keep Olivia entertained. And um, and I'm taking the mic like I do, you know, when you get nervous. And I'm sat there saying, can you imagine if the doctor's come back and really seriously sits down and says, uh, I can confirm he has got a dicky eye. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, what if that's it? Anyway, yeah, he came back and he sat down and he just pulled the curtain around us and said, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. He went, we found something. 
And you know when your stomach just kind of goes, Bleh! and all I remember hearing was rare condition. I couldn't even say the condition for about three months. Rare condition, craniosynostosis, um, pressure on the brain, brain damage. And I just went into an absolute just black hole, literally. I, um, yeah, yeah, what's off? Um, so we, we, the show does the, 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 the x-rays and basically the, the x-rays um, show that the, when the baby's born, the, the skull plates overlap. So there's these gaps to make the skull smaller. And then when they come out, they kind of spring out and you've got these little gaps and you've heard when everyone kind of says, baby soft spots and soft spots. And what's the soft spot? Basically like that. And then what happens over the next five years, your skull fuses into one massive bone. And that is basically how your skull is made. So what had happened with George is one of his soft spots uh, had fused in the womb, which basically meant that it doesn't grow like the rest of the, the, the head. Though what that means is that as he gets bigger and as the brain gets bigger and as his head gets bigger, because that doesn't grow, there can, there's a risk that there's no room in the head for the for the brain to grow, which can then put pressure on the on the brain, cranial pressure, which can then lead to your brain damage and, and other things. Um, and with that, we were sent home and said they'd be in touch. Um, and we did. So we brought him home, and I remember my dad saying afterwards, he, he says now that he said, I've never seen any, any couple look as grey in all their life. He said, um, you know, you come home with your little one and you kind of sit and go, yay, let's get him home. Can't wait to show him off. Da -da. And we're sat there, and, and especially as a dad, I think with a little boy, I sit there and I think, you know, I thought all I want is my son to be 18, be able to have a pint with him. I want my son to be able to stand on the top of a mountain in Australia when he's traveling with his mates and look at an amazing view and go, wow, that's amazing. And all of a sudden I'm sat thinking, this little person in front of me, I'm sat thinking, what is his future about? What 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 is he going to be able to do? What isn't he going to be able to do? Has he already got brain damage? Is is does it get worse? Is, all these things you've never heard of it. Like I said, you know, I've never even heard of the condition. Um So did you came home the same day with him, did you? Yeah, so about um well, within the hour after getting our X-ray results. Wow, that's that's what a lot to deal with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you get home and then the wonderful world of Google, you start looking at, at that when you get home. Um, and that puts another angle on it because the thing with craniosynostosis is if you ever need to know anything, I am virtually like a specialist. Um, I was going to say, it trips off the tongue now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No problem. Um, apart from when I'm drunk. <laughs> so the, uh, the, the, the thing with cranio is there's loads of different forms of it because it depends on which such are fused. Some kids, all of them fuse. Some of them, just one of them. Some of them, maybe two. Some of them, it's a genetic thing, which then if it's got genetics involved, it can have other elements attached to it. Um, I won't go into it because there's probably way too many, but there's a lot of things. Some of them, it's the equivalent of saying, why have somebody been born with a birthmark on the cheek? But again, you know, you get home and, you know, your wife sits there on a night and you both sat there upset and your wife's saying to you, did I do something wrong? Have I done too much yoga? Have I eaten something wrong? Have I laid funny? Have I... And it's not. It's nothing to do with that. It's 
one of them things. It's like winning the lottery that you don't want to win. So it affects one in, on average, someone will correct me on this number, I think it's between two and a half and 3,000 babies. It's quite rare. And almost immediately, we started through the journey with the NHS. So we started with MRI scans for George to see if there was any cranial pressure already. Um, thank God there wasn't. But again, even that, Al, I mean, even that, seeing your wife put your baby in a little metal jacket and sticking through a big tube to have an MRI scan, you know, and you stand there and you're looking, going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, one minute I'm in a cocktail bar and I'm on a beach in, in Ibiza with my mates and me and Charlotte are traveling the world and going around the Maldives and we're going to Dubai and, and all that stuff all of a sudden means nothing. I'm stood there thinking, I just want my little boy, my little person to be, to be okay. So um, anyway, no cranial pressure, thank God. But you always sort of looked and, you know, we knew surgery was going to happen. So they always said that when George is around one, they will have to do a surgery uh, where they basically go from ear to ear and it, they cut over the top of the head. They bring everything forward. Um, I could show you with an Easter egg if you want. I have got plenty over there. Um, and they basically reconstruct the whole front of the little one's head. So they take it to bits. And from the... Uh, George was basically bombing my eyebrow bone. Sorry. Oh, I'm sure. Hi, Charlotte. You're all right? Yes, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Good. I'm telling Al the uh, George saga. Oh, God, you'll be there till tea time. <laughs> <laughs> How to be a dad podcast with Al Booth. So we always knew that surgery was going to be a thing. So they uh, go from here to here, bring the whole front of the head forward and reconstruct. So George was born. It was a bit like having no eyebrow bone, basically. Um, it was a bit like having no eyebrow bone. So the right-hand side, George has got right unicoronal craniosynostosis. So the right-hand side of him, it was basically just flat. So they, but they do take the whole front of the head. So your head stops growing when you're about five, six. So what they do is they build the head to the size of basically like five, six-year-olds. So we always used to say, you know, we know that George will end up with a bit of a big forehead. That's a sign of intelligence, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at mine. My, my head goes all the way back to my neck. <laughs> um, so we knew that the surgery would happen around when he was one. And to be fair, we cracked on Al. All credit to, to the family. Everybody, we literally just cracked on. We got home and we enjoyed him and we kind of pushed it to the back of our minds a bit, thinking we've got a year, we've got a year to wait. You know, yeah, ever so often it'd crop up and we were a bit, you know, we thought about it all the time, but we, we didn't dwell on it. Um, and then the wonderful world of COVID kicked in and all of a sudden that threw another curveball in it because what that meant was all our plans um, you know, we knew we would be, at this point, we, we transferred over. There's only four specialist hospitals in the UK that deal with this condition. So there's Great Ormond Street, Birmingham, Alderhay, and Oxford. So obviously, we went to Alderhay. Me and Charlotte did a road trip one day. We went over to Alderhay and nowhere to Lyle, genuinely. That place is the most amazing, humbling, fantastic, happy, phenomenal place I have ever been in my life. And, and I call them our, our angels there because the, the whole team, we went in for our, our first appointment to be greeted by, no word of a lie, maybe between 12 and 15 people. And one by one, they all went round and it was like, I'm the orthodontic. 
I'm the eye specialist, I'm the surgeon, I am the nurse, I am the brain, I am the every single thing that could potentially be affected for George was sat in this room. And it was a bit overwhelming, really, at first, because you kind of walk in with George and you kind of go, right, hi, we're here, and you walk in, and all of a sudden we're a bit like, whoa, all these people are here for him. And it is a bit, it's overwhelming. That's the only way I can describe it is, yeah, it's overwhelming. Um, but we knew, straight away, we knew that this place was just another level. We knew it. And we came back and, and we were like, yeah, we want him to go there. So then COVID kicked in. Obviously, we had to stay at home. We got a phone call from the hospital saying, look, just so you're aware, you know, surgeries have been stopped. Every month that went by, you know, probably wasn't this, but, you know, every month that went by, we sat there thinking, is a cranial pressure going to be building? Is it more of a risk that something's going to happen to George? And visually, every month that went by, the, the surgery will never correct what has already happened to George's bone structure, but it can stop it evolving any further. So we knew that any month or week that went by could potentially have a bit more of a detrimental effect to, to him. And we were just pushing for it to come through. Um, and we kept in touch with the hospital. They were, again, just amazing. And we were in lockdown and we we loved it. We had barbecues. We had water fights. We had first birthday parties, <laughs> all four of us. We had an absolute, and I was quite thankful that my work was phenomenal. My, I had the, the support we had of family and friends and work was just another level. I had quality time with George that normally I would never have had because of COVID. So if there's one thankful thing that, that I've got is that I managed to spend a year with my little boy in the build-up to this and not have to, you know, worry about not seeing him and, and having that time with him. I had some, you know, we had some amazing days. And then literally, yeah, one, one day... Uh, I was working at home, obviously. I, I got a phone call from, from the hospital and they said, uh, we've started again. Um, you're up. Do you want to come in? So we got the phone call end of May. So George had, had his first birthday um, and we were anticipating the surgery would be pushed back until sort of the September, October at the earliest because of COVID. So he just turned one and we got this phone call and they said, uh, yeah, do you want to come in? We, we, we're starting again. 19th of June, 2020, you booked in. And literally that is kind of when you really... Okay, so we had three weeks to prepare. I mean, I know we'd had a year to mentally prepare, but we had three weeks. We There is an amazing... It's not an official charity. There's an amazing couple, um, a lady called Kelly, who... who set up a private Facebook group for parents of kids with cranial because so many kids I'll go undiagnosed, it's scary. A lot of parents go to the hospital or doctors and say, has my kid got a dicky-shaped head? You know, or does my baby's head look a bit weird? And a lot of the sort of local GPs kind of look and go, it's fine, it's it's just what it is. You know, they're a bit squished, it'll, it'll sort itself out, it'll this, that and the other. And it doesn't, you know, a lot of kids go undiagnosed and the longer it takes... To get diagnosis, the the riskier it can be. Um, anyway, this Kelly has set up a private Facebook group, uh, Crania Ribbons, it's called, and she is another angel. Um, she sent us a care package. So two weeks before we were due to go in hospital, um, she sent us this big box and it had everything in it from toothbrush, toothpaste, to magazines, to smellies, toiletries, little toys and, and outfits because the, the, the babies swell. Um, they can only wear certain outfits. I'll come on to that. But 
absolutely amazing. You know, we had our best friends that dropped off an afternoon tea for us one Saturday afternoon just to cheer us up because they knew we were absolutely bricking it. You know, the love and the care and the support and the positive vibes and stuff that we had during that time was, again, overwhelming is the only word I can say. It was just unbelievable. Um, and then it came to it and we had to go... Uh, Leaving Olivia was, can't even talk about it now. That's one thing I can't. Did, well, did she know? Did she understand? Yeah, so we always, we've always been really open with her because uh, it's going to be quite obvious. Well, A, we didn't know what level, how obvious it would be. But also, you know, when your little brother comes home from hospital with a big... <laughs> big open wound from ear to ear over the top of his head and, and his head's swelled to double the size, I think she might guess that something is, is amiss. Um, so we've always been really open with her. We've explained it all to her. We've we've told her everything. She's been amazing. Um, and we thought she was okay. We thought she was okay until the morning came to go. Um, we'd bought her a load of presents. We'd bought her a load of presents and wrapped them up. Uh, ranging from little things to Barbies and stuff that she loved. And we'd said that every day whilst we're away, she could open a present every day. And then when she gets to the end of the presents, we'd be home with him and it'd be done. Um, so we said to her, right, you know, you can't open your first present until we've gone. Thinking she'd be like, oh, see you then. You know, we'll, <laughs> I want to open it. Uh, and yeah, she, she literally burst into floods of tears, clung to my legs. Um, and just said, please don't leave me. That was, yeah, but anyway, so we, uh, can't talk about that. So we uh, we got over there, got to the hospital, uh, and again, amazing, amazing charity, um, Ronald McDonald, obviously all the hotels were shut. So we're like, well, where are we going to sleep? And at one point I actually thought, well, worst case, I'll sleep in the car for a week. I'll, I'll you know, you'll do whatever it takes. And, and also to throw this in the mix, Barrel off this one, isn't it, Al? <laughs> for people to listen to. Um, the other thing to throw in the mix at the time was that it had um, the hospitals obviously was a one parent rule brought in. So at any point with your little one, you, you're only allowed one parent there. So another curveball, but you, you, the main thing is you just deal with it, don't you? The hospital um, put us in touch with a hotel, Ronald McDonald which is a hotel that is built on site in the hospital for parents that are having a little bit of a rough time of it. And if you, and if you need somewhere to stay while your little one's in the hospital, then you can stay at this hotel. So we got a room in the Ronald McDonald. I thought, oh my God, they're going to have like a proper Macadies in there. I know this isn't the point of the podcast, but I know everyone now wants to, what's it like? Is it like a theme park, a burger theme park? Nah, it's not. Oh. It's amazing. Don't get me wrong. It's functional. And they rely, again, a lot on donations and the work that they do is, is amazing. Um, so we managed to get a room there. Uh, do you have to take a massive pickle out of the bed when you pull the sheets back? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd eat it. I would roll <laughs> on that big scent pickle. So we, we, we went there. Um, obviously, everyone's messaging us, you know, good luck for tomorrow, good luck for tomorrow, good luck for tomorrow. I took a load of beers and gin and tonics and wine. <laughs> I love how you've just, first birth, pork pies, second birth, massive bag of arabos. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. escalated. <laughs> There's a theme. There's a theme. <laughs> Literally. So we, um, we yeah, so we rocked up and I said, look, let's, 
calm ourselves down. And we took a drink, we had a drink, and I took a selfie of me and Charlotte. Um, we sent it to all our friends. And at the time, I thought, yeah, we look good there. We look proper, cool, calm and collected. When you look at this photo now, you look and you think, oh my God, you can see Charlotte literally one blink and she's about to literally just ball. You can see on our faces sort of the, uh, the, the, the stress. Um, anyway, yeah, so the next morning, woke up, one parent rule. So we we said that I was going to take George, uh, I was going to pick him up after his surgery and Charlotte was going to take him down to be put to sleep. Surgery was, um, they never tell you, it's quite good actually, they never tell you how long surgery is going to last. They never tell you. They always say, we won't give you a time because if we tell you a time, you're going to literally clock watch. And again, this sounds really weird. This sounds really weird, like really weird. But everyone said to us, every minute will feel like an hour. Every hour will feel like a day. You know, you, do you know what with us, Al? It didn't. I don't know, because we've got two kids, but we took the time out and we literally, we walked, we talked, we ate, we, we, we didn't have any booze though, just to clarify on that. We didn't, you know, we weren't like children in a park uh, walking around the hospital. Um, and do you know what? It went so quickly. Um, and we got a phone call halfway through, and this is literally how they say it. We got a phone call halfway through, and this guy said to me, he went, well, he said, um, the school's off. And I went, what? He went, the school's off. He went, we've done the risky bit. And I went, are you there now? And he went, yeah. And I thought, I'm on the phone to a guy as my little boy is laid next to him with the front half of his head missing. I was like, oh, my God. Freaky. Really freaky. Anyway, he said, so we're going to build him up now. He said, we're going to get him fixed up. He said, give it a few hours, we'll be out. Anyway, it was a, I think in the end it was about nine hours. Nine, ten hours was the, the surgery. Um, and then I went over to pick him up uh, and bless him. <laughs> bless him. He went into high dependency unit. We were in there for, for three days. Um, and again, God, I won't wish it on anyone. But, you know, you kind of go there. And we knew that they say that the swelling kicks in. So based with the little ones, the swelling kicks in virtually straight away but it, every time every day gets bigger and bigger the the little heads swell that much that the eyes fuse shut uh but then all of a sudden literally by day three i think it was you start seeing the little eye open just a little bit just one eye started chinking open and and it starts getting little toys and, and playing with them and stuff and then it gets a bit bigger and you see them starting to eat stuff and you see them then on the floor with a truck going like brum, brum, and, and being on the floor with it. And you start seeing little bits of George come back and you're like, yes, come on now. Yes, 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 yes. You're coming back. Yeah, get in. And by day five, the nurses turned around and said, look, they said, we think he will be, he'll be fine. And I went straight into the sort of mode of no, 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 we can't do that. It's way too early. And Charlotte just said to me, James, you know, we need to get home to Olivia. And we left and, and came home and Olivia was there. And from there on in Al, um, you know, we, we've had it rough, don't get me wrong. I mean, you, you have to kind of, you have to scrub the scar roughly every day, which goes against everything in your mental being. Every day you have to scrub the scar. The scabbing is basically bad. So we had uh, weeks of literally scrubbing. And do you know what? I'll be the first to admit, Charlotte on that one, she did it. I struggled massively with that. Um, but we've always said throughout this whole journey, we've always said that there's been times when Charlotte's been amazing and I've been an absolute shandy pants. And then there's other times where she's been, you know, in bits 
Um, and I've been, come on, yeah, yeah. We, we've really kept each other going. It's changed as a, as a couple. It's changed massively. Um, and we, from there on in, the scars healed. Um, he had his his six month check a couple of weeks ago. We met all the team and we walked in, and the head surgeon was there, and he was kind of like, he went, oh, look at his brow bone. And all this room were like, oh yes, look at his brow bone, one of the best brow bones we've ever seen. Uh, and, and even I started joining in, yes, look at his brow bone. Uh. I know I'm biased, but I look now and I don't think you would even guess that nine months ago, he was having that level of surgery. We never know, they never say never, so we, we do back when he's three, then it's five, then he'll go all the way until he's about 15. Um, but at the moment, as I sit here now, is Bob on. Going back to what I said at the beginning, you know, little boys and the dads, dads are their little boys idle. George is mine. Ah, how brilliant. I know how you feel. Uh, James from Leeds with Charlotte, his wife in the background, talking about their son George, who, by the way, is now just proper little action monkey. He's ace. If you're an expectant parent or you're a parent with a story to tell, um, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us at thedadsnet.com or on the Dadsnet socials. And who knows, maybe we'll speak on a future episode of How To Be A Dad. Uh, In the meantime, there are other episodes to catch up. You can always listen back. And there are other special episodes coming up as well. So hopefully you'll listen to them and enjoy them. And I'll see you soon on How To Be A Dad, the podcast with me, Al Booth. A Dadsnet original podcast.